know what I mean? And that's good Southern Ohio vernacular for you educators and English people. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm really not because I'm just being me. But anyway, um, I'm just not all that sharp when it comes to... Um, I communicate every weekend. Well, not even more than that. At least every Sunday I communicate something in front of people. And that's scary, isn't it? Anyway, I, I keep thinking about this idea of, you know, launching out into new areas and really discovering what spirit-filled living really is all about. And so to kind of keep the sci-fi thing happening, just pay attention for about a minute on the screen. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. You can stop it. Hey, listen to that. Now, what does that have to do with the spirit-filled life? I've been thinking all week. If I were to, to start like my own Christian, like spirit-filled living melodrama series, all right? If I were to do that, I would rework those words right there. And it would go more something like this. Grace, the eternal frontier. These are the voyages of the body of Christ. To seek new life and to take it to new civilizations. To take the gospel where men are living for sure. That's would be the opening of my of my my series. That would be that would be what I would be, you know, trying to portray in some sort of a of a thing that depicts what it looks like to be a spirit filled, full of God, full of the the ghost Christian. That's how I'd start it. But uh, we have a hard time zeroing in on that, don't we? I have a hard time really figuring out what that, 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 that eternal frontier looks like. Because, you know, we start a journey with Jesus. And it honestly never ends. It honestly never stops. We get to enjoy the grace of God, not just now, but for eternity. And the Spirit of God walks with us throughout that journey and he wants us to be all that we can possibly be in Christ. If you haven't listened to the last two messages, you probably need to. And I'm just going to, because I don't have time to go back and review. But the Holy Spirit is a person. He has power. But we're going to talk today about his purpose and the produce he brings into our lives. That is truly spirit-filled living. If, 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 that, if we describe that spirit-filled life, if we, were, if we were full of this person called the Holy Spirit, if, what does that look like? How do we portray him? How do we grow in him? What is his purpose? What is his produce? If, if we're truly following Christ, if we as followers of Christ are truly following him, we want to be as close to him as possible. Is that right? This is not just some religious exercise that we walk into and walk out of. This is not something where we participate in a ceremonial whatever and go about the rest of our lives if nothing ever happened. This is something that changes and radically alters who we are, where we're going. And you know what? It's a never-ending journey. None of us have arrived. 
The Apostle Paul writes, he said, I am, I am chasing after that for which I was apprehended. I don't consider myself to have attained. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. If the Apostle Paul hadn't attained, <laughs> you ain't attained either. Are you hearing me? He says, you know what I do? I forget those things that are behind. I press on that I might grab a hold of the mark of the prize of the high calling that is in Christ Jesus. And the cool thing about that is we don't have to walk that path alone. The Spirit of God walks alongside of us and fills us with everything good. So, are you ready to take the journey? Jump with me to John chapter 16. For the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. We started in John 14. We bounced a little bit last week, and we're back in John 16. If you look at that, 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 that poster right there, that banner right there, the very last one, what we've been talking about is that idea, that thought right there. The Holy Spirit is personal, he's powerful, and he's available. Jesus in John 14, 15, and 16 is having one long conversation. If you will read through those three chapters of Scripture, you will find, if you have a red-letter edition of the Bible, how many have a red-letter edition of the Bible? You will find that the major content of that, those three chapters are all read. Those are the words of Christ. In fact, near as I can tell from what I was reading, there are five sentences that are not read. And all five of them are either a question posed to him or a request made of him. And he's talking predominantly about what this life he, he offers people looks like. And he talks about the help he gives them. And we talked we talk in John 14 about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, how Jesus was leaving, but he wasn't leaving them orphaned. Do you remember that? He was going to send another just like him. And in John 16, there are some really f uh, familiar uh, words probably for some of you. And Jesus is continuing this talk saying, this is what life looks like because of my grace because of what I'm about to do on the cross, because the very next chapter is John 17, which is the Lord's Prayer, which is his prayer for his disciples and his church as he's getting ready to face the cross and be hung and die the sacrifice for our sins. So there's one continuous idea going on through these, these chapters. And Jesus starts in John 16, starting with verse 5, and he says, But now I'm going away to the one who sent me. The same kind of words he used in 14. He keeps reiterating the same thought. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best. And wouldn't that be hard for you to get your mind around? Put, your, put yourselves in the, feet, in, in, in the shoes of Peter, James, John, Thomas, Judas, all those guys for a minute. Jesus, it's best. Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of God. What in the world are you talking about that's best for you to go away? For us, that can't be true, Jesus. Are you kidding me? And that's what he tells them. But the reason he tells them that is because he goes on to say, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, the same word we use in John 14, that legal term of the one called alongside to help, that one who bears up underneath burdens, that one who, who, who comes along, won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So here, Jesus gives us the first insight to the purpose of this person we call the ghost, we call the Holy Spirit. He gives, he gives, he gives three thoughts here. He is... He has come to convict the world of sin, 
to convict the world of righteousness and of judgment. Do you read that in there with me? That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on to tell them exactly what that means. So let's keep reading. He will give the world sin of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Wow. That kind of boils it down, doesn't it? The sin the world will, will um, face eternal judgment for. Now listen, this is crazy. But Jesus said these words. Is not... The long list. The one thing that will keep people from enjoying the, the heavenly bliss, the one thing, the one thing is belief in Jesus. Wow. Are you kidding me? You know why Jesus says those words? <laughs> I think because he realized none of us are completely going to get it together. Huh? How many, how, how many of you guys, let's, let's, let's take a poll for a minute, okay? How many of you have been walking with Jesus? Let's say, let's pick a number. More than 15 years. Let me see your hands. Now, all of you who've got it together can put your hands down. Point taken. You got it. Now, the Holy Spirit will convict us, uh, convict us as believers of the garbage we've participated in or do participate in okay but the world the, 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 he's convicting the world at this moment okay and the, the in, in this statement he said i the holy spirit will come and he will convict the world of sin it sin is refusing to believe in me that separates everybody on the planet we go back to mark 16 where jesus is offering the great commission and he says these words he says go preach the gospel of every creature he who believes shall be what? He who believes not shall be. Boom. Is that cut and dry for you? All the other things that people can be condemned for, the one thing that's going to separate the men from the boys, so to speak, is this idea of belief. And it's not just, get, get this, get, understand this with me. It is not just merely understanding that Jesus is the Christ. The Bible says these words that demons believe and they tremble, but they're not going to get saved. How many of you have talked to somebody at work? Well, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. But you know, and I know, and they know they're not right with God. That's where the next point comes in. He will convict the world of God's righteousness. Now, we would think of righteousness in the terms of this and that's and do's and don'ts and all those things. Righteousness boiled down to its simplest form is merely being in right relationship with God. And he will come and convict the world of this, that they are not right with God. He will come and share, he will come and show them that there is something to be had in God that they don't have right now. There's a relationship to participate in that they don't have right now. And we can give them a whole lot of list of stuff, but, but, but that's not important. The important thing is this, that, 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 that there, is a, there is a rightness to be had with the Father. There was a rightness that Adam had in the garden that we don't have any longer. Are you hearing me? And he also goes on to say he will conv convict the world of judgment. I remember I've been in the, in, in sharing the gospel with people at times, and they know. 
There's something inside of them that they, they know that unless they change their ways, judgment is coming. And they can't describe that, and they don't know what it's going to look like, but they know and that the Holy Spirit's at work in that moment saying, you know what, there's a payment to be made. They realize there's allegiance to the ruler of this world, and this condemns us to his fate. Do you know that? Hell was a creation not for people. Do you know that? Hell was a creation for Satan and fallen angels. The problem is this. We participate in his rebellion. And the mere thought of not believing in Christ, and not mere belief, but our belief that translates to trust. That's the difference. That's the belief that we're talking about Jesus or the Holy Spirit will convict the world of. It's not just merely understanding who Jesus was, but coming to such a point in that belief that trust takes over and he is everything. When we, when we refuse that, many, most of us would sit here and go, uh, or many of our friends would go, well, I, I've sworn allegiance to Satan. Would they? Huh? Now, some of you may have known some people, I have, honestly, who've participated in that. But most people, not so. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I, but the mere refusal to believe or not to believe in Christ and to, to translate that belief into trust aligns them automatically with the judgment that's coming. And the Holy Spirit's work is to bring that about. Now, I will say this. Our job is not to do that. Our job is not to convict them of sin. Our job is not to convict them of righteousness. Our job is not to convict them of judgment. Our job is just merely to share that, those kinds of things with them. Either through our, ver- preferably through both our actions and our voice. That, that's the best case scenario. And, and, and so he's the one who does that work, but he's looking for vessels who will participate with him in that work. Now he goes on to say, there is much more I want to tell you, verse 12 says, but you can't bear it now. Now when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So we've, we found that the, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. His purpose for us is to guide us into all truth. Are you hearing that? Jesus says he will speak what he has heard from me. Here's the thing. Jesus is the word. John 1.1 1, 1 tells us that. So when he's speaking, he is sharing the life. We talked about this last week. He is sharing the life of God that was exuded in Genesis 1 that caused everything to exist. He's that same word that spoke to a guy named Lazarus and made him come out of that grave. He is that. And so when the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, he guides us into hearing the voice of this one we call Jesus. He will speak What he hears me say, Jesus says. The Holy Spirit will never speak anything contrary to what Jesus says. The Holy Spirit will never speak anything that's contrary to the Word of God. He will never speak anything contrary to what you find in this. Many of you have a leather-bound version of this. He will never speak anything that flies in the face of what God has already revealed in this thing we call the Word of God. Now, people have gotten themselves in trouble because the Holy Spirit told them to do all kinds of craziness. 
that had nothing to do with this word. If you want to try to sort out what God's saying, if you think the Spirit has said something to you and it does not line up here, oh my goodness. You might be listening to a spirit. It is not the spirit, I promise. Okay? The spirit will guide us into truth. He will tell us about the future. And here's where that comes in. Some of you ironically think, oh, that's why we're having that prophetic seminar. If you understand prophecy, and I'm not going to go into all that right now because I just don't have time. Prophecy is not necessarily telling the future. And in fact, most of the time as it exercises itself in the body of Christ, it's not that. It's more, more, more of an encouragement and exhortation about what, where God's leading you. So if you want more, you have to come back next week and the next week, okay? I'm not going to talk about that. But we think of that. The future is the Holy Spirit will place in us an urgency about the times we live in and what's to come. He will place in us an understanding that, man, we can discern what in the world is going on. We can read things in the news nobody else can read. We can see things in the lives of people where their life is headed that nobody else can tell because the Holy Spirit is saying, listen, there's an urgency here. They need to hear the gospel. The time is wrapping up. Let's get on with things. And over and over again in the epistles, you will find this. Paul writes it constantly. Wake up. The time is far gone for you to be whatever, what, something close to what Belinda spoke a little bit ago. Man, I'm sorry, I got choked up. The Holy Spirit will speak to it. And right now, if I would tell anything to you guys, if the Holy Spirit of God is inside of you, there should be an urgency about where you are, what you're doing, about the people around you who are lost and dying. And if it's not, I wonder if the Holy Spirit's really at work. I mean, I, I, there, there are days I can't sleep because I'm thinking, dude, this person and that person, and man, I need to make sure I got that. And there's something that stirs on the inside of me that says, it's urgent, let's get about the business. We do not have time to waste or things to mess around with that are insignificant or unimportant or not eternal. Let's get on with life. There should be an urgency about the future that he places inside of us that propels us onward and forward like Paul talked about in Philippians 3. If we are full of the Spirit of God, that will be a natural product of that. He also says, he will bring glory to me. Bring glory to Jesus. He said it. He will bring glory to me by telling you whatever he receives from me. I have a... Oh, boy. Who cares on this one going for? I have a hard time with ministries who claim to be spirit-filled ministries, okay? And it's all about the guy or the gal. Are you hearing me? God's man of power for the hour. And it's like going to the WWF or something in the announcement. You know, something about that just oh, I just want to just you know something? Because it is about Jesus. He, the Holy Spirit's work is not to draw attention to a man or even a particular ministry. His, his purpose is to draw attention to the person called Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. Are you hearing me? Anything else? I wonder. Now I'm just being honest. Can I say that in here? Huh? I get, it, it, it rattles my cage, man. I'll be sitting in front of TV and I start hearing talk like that. You know what I do? I, I grab the clicker just as fast as I, if some pornography is just getting ready to get on the screen. I am done with that already. Good Christian programming, Aaron. That remains to be seen. We'll figure that out when we get to heaven, I suppose. I'm not going to say anything other than that. Are you hearing me? 
And so there, 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 there is this, he brings glory to Jesus. Now, in John 15, we'll, we'll backtrack just a little bit for a minute. In John 15, Jesus talks about this. In John 15, Jesus says in verse 5, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce, what's the word? Fruit. Keyword. Cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful. Got that word? Fruitful, unless you remain in me. Verse 8 says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Jesus has said the same glory that rests on the Father rests on him because he's in the Father. Now he just tells us in John 15, if we remain in him, glory from the Father will be given because of the fruit that comes out of our lives. Are you catching that? John 15, 26 says these, but I will send you the advocate again, the spirit of truth, He will come to you from my Father and testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. Now, automatically, we're thinking, okay, fruitfulness in the kingdom is this. It's a bottom line deal. I'm going to testify, which God's called me to do. It's a a commandment. Okay? It's a test. You must testify, right? So, I'm like, we're thinking, okay, how many people I get in the kingdom? How many times did I witness today? I mean, but Jesus, Jesus, Jesus never, never talks in those terms. You can't, you can't find that there. He says go preach the gospel everywhere, but he never makes them responsible for results. He never tells them that you've got to have this amount of people saved every time you talk to them. He never tells them. Now, that the natural product of you being what you're supposed to be, that should be transpiring at some level, at some point, in some place in your life because you're a follower of Christ. If the Holy Spirit lives in you. And you know what? The fruit, fruitfulness just happens, okay? And so what does this fruit look like? It, it, it's the, the idea of fruit and fruit, fruitfulness exists from the beginning to the end of the Scripture, okay? Go all the way back to Genesis. What's the thing that got Adam and Eve into problems? Fruit, and it wasn't an apple, okay? Why are you guys like Dude, are you serious for all this time? I thought, you know, some of you think, hey, it is, you've seen the picture and there's the serpent. And the Bible never tells us what the fruit was. In fact, we've never, probably never even seen a fruit like it. And apples may be a good representation. We really don't know. The Bible doesn't really say that. But some kind of fruit was hanging on a tree. Are you hearing me? People partook of it and it changed everything. Now, the cool thing is, in the book of Revelation, at the very end, there is another tree. And the Bible says we will partake of that fruit, the fruit of the tree of life. I cannot, that's going to be the best tasting fruit ever. I like apples. I dig bananas. I like pears. I do all that kind of stuff. But, dude, I'm waiting for the day I get to reach up there. And the Bible says that the, the fruit on, the, on that tree, it's a, there's, a, there's this river that flows through heaven, the Bible tells us about. And all the trees bear their fruit continually. You know that? And the, that, that fruit, oh, this is awesome, is for the healing of the nations. Talk about, you know, what's that, what's that, I don't think I can pronounce it, the acai berry stuff everybody's selling. What is that? This super fruit, you know, antioxidants. Blah, blah, blah. Dude, this fruit, whew, it's not just going to heal people, it will heal nations. And right here between Genesis and Revelation, Jesus begins to talk about fruit. 
He's talking about a vine, John 15. I am the good, I am the vine. You are the branches. You should bear fruit, he goes on to say. If you don't remain in me, you won't, be, you, you won't bear fruit. Any, any, any branch that doesn't bear fruit will be cut off. And he's talking about fruit. So what kind of fruit is it? The fruit that he talks about can be traced, that he's talking about can be traced to Galatians chapter 5. Paul gives us a great idea of what spirit fullness, spirit filled living looks like. In verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5, he makes a statement. So I say to you, I, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. That's the, that's the jump off point on this passage of scripture. So let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Some translations say, so, so walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. And he spends the next few minutes describing what that looks like. The sad part to me is, I've seen a lot of that happen in a church. Starting at verse 17, going down to verse 21, I've seen almost every one of those things manifest itself someplace in a gathering of church people. Notice I didn't say Christ followers. Church people. Some people think they show up to church, they've done, they're done good. But I want to remind you two things. Showing up at McDonald's doesn't make you a Big Mac. Parking yourself in a garage doesn't make you a car. Are you hearing me? We're talking about spirit-filled living. It's not about a, a, a space of time that we schedule on our thing. It's about following Christ every moment of every day and allowing His Spirit to do His work. He says, walk in the Spirit, and there are certain things that won't transpire in your life. Now, he drops down to verse 22, and he says this, but the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, which is amazing to me. He does not say fruits, but there's a list. Okay, this kind of fruit in your life. Now, see, I could, I need a hand. Am I got a hand? Come here, Chris. That'd be awesome. Come here. I need you to hold up. Can you hold the mic for me? It's always, you're a great volunteer. You are, you are soft in the hands of Jesus, and I appreciate that tons and tons. Can you hold that while I talk? Hold this. Okay. Now, listen. The Holy Spirit produces fruit. He does not produce flakes, fruits, and nuts. Okay? And the fruit he produces is one single kind of fruit. Not a bunch of different kinds. A fruit, singular. That fruit he produces is the character of Jesus. Okay? It is one fruit. Now it has different segments. There are different things that go on in this thing of the fruit of the Spirit of God. This, would you guys agree with me, this is one fruit? Huh? Inside of this thing is a luscious, and it's really juicy, and it smells, does it smell great? I wish you all, it smells great. I wish you guys had smell of vision. Inside of this thing are different segments, but it's one fruit. There are distinct pieces that make it what it is, and it's good. It's juicy, it's sweet, there are 
page in here. I just found one. And it will grow something. Don't talk with your mouth. My mom's like, Aaron, I, I'm so embarrassed. You are in front of a bunch of people and you're talking with your mouth full. Would you like some? You like oranges? My hands are clean, I promise. You believe me? Have one. What's that taste like, man? Or oranges. Oranges. Is it juicy? Yeah. It's sweet, isn't it? Makes you want more, don't it? Yep. Oh, boy. Have another piece. Why don't you have another piece? Hmm? That is good stuff. Still huh? tastes is like oranges, yeah. Huh? It's real juicy and soft. Don't, don't choke on a seed, please. Okay? I didn't have any seeds in mine. I don't know what's wrong with you. There's another one right there. You want that one? It's yours. I have no... Thank you, brother. Give me a hand. All right. Listen, this is the same kind of thing. This is not a bunch of different fruit we can partake of. It is one fruit. It is the character... It is the character of God. Okay? It's wrapped up in this thing called the gospel. It's wrapped up in this shell called the word of God. It's wrapped up in this, in this idea and thought that God really cares about us. And he does exist. But it's all held together in a bond by the spirit of God. It, he produces fruit in our lives. That fruit looks like these things. It looks like, according to this, this produce that he produces in our lives... Okay, is love and joy and peace. It's funny, if you keep reading John 15, Jesus keeps referring to those three things. In John 15, verse 10, he says, When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. How can you remain in his commandments? You stay connected to this thing and you say, Holy Spirit of God, guide me into all truth. And you know what the produce is? A life of love. You obey his commandments. You're operating in his love. You're operating out of his love. And his Holy Spirit empowers you as you seek to obey the word of truth that God's already given you. As you let him guide you through it. It was amazing. A couple, couple weeks ago, we were at uh, we had the, we had the intercessors over at our house. We have them over about once a year, and we, we, we get to pray for them because they spend a lot of time praying for the ministry and for us, and we have dinner with them, and we get to pray for them. And Shirley McGraw was there. Don't, I'm not going to put you on the spot as far as, like, you know, expose your trash or nothing. So don't, she's, like, she's like, okay, here's what happened. I was praying for her, and I said, Shirley, I believe God is going to give you some things from his word on a daily basis that will be just the right spot at just the right time. So I was praying for her. You know what I didn't know? She works at Elizabeth's Hope. You know what they've done with her? They put her in charge of, you've got the word for the day for us in the office. God's going to, we want you to share with us whatever piece of scripture God shares. I had no idea. So after we got done praying, remaining in the word, being obedient to it, there was an atmosphere of love in that moment because God said, Shirley, I got you. I know right where you are and you're remaining in my word and my word's remaining in you and there's a work of love happening in your life and through your life and I want you to keep doing that. Listen, obedience to the commandments of God is the place where love resides. We can't say we love God and not do what he says. And as we do what he says, love grows inside of us. Jesus said, it's impossible for you to say you love me and not do what I say. You want to live a spirit-filled life, get busy about what you already know you ought to be doing.
Well, I don't know the Bible from frontwards to backwards. you got to start somewhere. And what you do know, you're responsible for. You want the Holy Spirit to be at work in your life? You start being obedient. And I promise you the fruit of the Spirit of the living God will be evident in your life from beginning to end. The next thing he talks about, Paul said, was joy. And Jesus talks about that too, John 15, 11. I have told you these things. Remember the Holy Spirit said he would testify of the things Jesus had spoken. I have told you these things that you will be filled. Everybody say filled. Filled with my joy. Okay? Your joy will overflow. How many of y'all want some of that? Huh? The way you get... Who clapped? Listen, you want some of that? That resides in exposing myself to this too. We find joy. I'm going to do a series in November. It's called The Pursuit of Happiness. Okay? So get ready. I'm going to pull Coach Boone on you all like he did with Petey in that one little meeting they had. You enjoy playing football? Yes, sir. Why are you smiling? Because we think uh, that we're entitled to happiness. Jesus really talks about happiness in this thing. But he spends a whole lot of time talking about joy. And joy is not based on circumstance. It is not based on situation. It's not based on good or bad. It is based on a relationship with the Heavenly Father. And it resides even where chaos exists. Come on. And he says, I've given you these words that your joy might be full. And if it will be full, it would overflow. So you want to be a fool of the Spirit of God? Keep giving credence to this in your life. Every moment of every day. Every morning. I had a conversation with a guy a couple weeks ago, and he told me, he said, Aaron, two and a half years ago, I thought being a Christian meant coming to church. I thought you were really consecrated if you went to church on Wednesday. Like you were super, super. You know what I found, he told me? He said, Aaron, being a Christian is a 24-7 deal. And now, I don't just get my, my food on Sunday morning or if I happen to show up on Wednesday night. I start every morning with my nose stuck in the scripture. I start every morning with, with, with him trying to give him access to speak to me. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. I know it don't sound real spectacular, but you want spirit-filled living? It starts right there. It starts right there. It starts doing what we know we should be doing. And God, us exposing ourselves to the living God through the power of his Holy Spirit. It starts right there. Are you hearing me? He also goes on to talk about peace, which are the first three things in Paul's list. He talks about peace in John 16, I have told you all this. You see, you see the connection? Jesus says, you want love? Obey my commandments. Understand my word. Do what it says. You want joy? Listen to what I've said. I've told you these things that your joy might be full. Jesus goes on to John 16, He says, listen, I've spoken these things to you. Are you hearing I've spoken these things to you that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Love, joy, and peace. Jesus is doing this discourse from John 14 to 16. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And right there in that one chapter in verse 15, talking about staying connected, being full of God, being connected to Christ, allowing his power to flow through you because you're a part of the vine. He says, in me you have love, in me you have joy, in me you have peace. 
John 16, he says, you remain in that, my Holy Spirit will do a work in your life. And in Galatians 5, Paul says, listen, you walk in the Spirit, you'll not do a bunch of crazy stuff, but the produce of that work of your Spirit starts with love, joy, and peace. Is that amazing? Now, there's another, there's a, the list goes on, and it says this. It says patience. And many of you wouldn't pray for that because you want your hamburger and you want it now. And if that waitress takes more than three minutes getting out the drive through window, you're uptight. Huh? How many of you guys, my, my wife, and uh, we, when she was on her way home, we didn't have anything for dinner because daddy's on duty all weekend. Can we get something to eat? Yeah. I feel like Wendy's. Okay, good. We had two cars, so she pulled through Wendy's, and I took one of my sons home and got some other things taken care of, and it kept waiting and waiting. Where are they? I just, I just watched them pull in the Wendy's. That's like three miles from my house. And so what in the world is going on? And, where? It was, and we get to the house, and then they, don't even, they didn't even put Rachel's sandwich in, in the bag. Isn't that frustrating? She probably, paid for, she probably prayed for patience while she's at the ladies' retreat, and God was trying to give her some. Because that's what we think. But patience is not just being able to, you know, I can kind of deal with stuff. Patience is this. It has everything to do with endurance. It has everything to do with constancy. The, 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 uh, in fact, Strong's Concordance defines it as that. It's not just being able to deal with people. It's enduring. It's being constant. It's hanging right in there. The other, the other, the other thing is kindness. Kindness. And we would mistake kindness for just being good, doing, doing kind of nice stuff, right? But kindness goes a lot deeper than that because kindness also means goodness and excellence, there's a sign right over here on the wall. Where is it? Right there. Excellence honors God. Do you guys know that's a fruit of the Spirit of God? Where the Spirit of God resides, an excellent thing should be hovering over that. I struggle with that one some because I am footloose and fancy free. I know you couldn't tell that. My wife's been trying to get me to be a, an, an excellent clean freak for most of my mom started before that. Now that I think about it, you know, I'm, I'm growing in that yet. And my wife would encourage you, I'm not what I used to be. Hallelujah. And that's the way it's supposed to be for us following Jesus. It's been rare lately for her to tell me to pick up my underwear. Very rare. Are you, are you hearing me? Huh? I'm being kind to my wife because I make sure she doesn't have to address me on that kind of thing. Are you hearing me? But there's kindness, excellence uprightness that's all has to do with that idea of kindness it's much deeper than just being you know paying for somebody's meal or doing something like that it has to do with the way you walk through life you are upright you are excellent there's there's morality that exists around you and it's explained and it's 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 exposed to people around you the next line is i believe it's goodness is that right goodness this is exclusively talking about generosity it should be natural for a Christian to be generous. It should be somebody who's full of the Spirit of God. To be, if you want to check, I want to encourage you, if you want to check yourself on generosity, there's a message you need to hear by a guy named Andy Stanley. He does a series called It Came From Within. And he's talking about issues of your heart. And He does, a, he does, he does one, one, one message on greed, and dude, it will straight up tear your heart apart. Because he will expose where greed lies in your life. And he'll just stop and look at the, look at the TV and go, and you go, yeah, that's me. Yep, yeah, I've been there. He says greed often masks itself as in words like this. I just want to be a good steward. 
I want to make sure things aren't misused. And we mask it. And we don't want, none of us would sit here and say, we're greedy or whatever. But we want to be. And boy, he just nails it. And I would, it's a really good message. But goodness, has, it should be a natural product of the work of the Spirit of God being full in our lives. That we are generous with our time. We are generous with our energy. We are generous with our love. We are generous, generous with, our, with, our, with our money. We are generous in every way, shape, and form. We can possibly be generous. Goodness is that. If we're going to live in a spirit-filled way, then love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness should begin to naturally people ought to be able to partake of those things from our lives. If we walked out into an orange orchard right now and walked through the thing, we could easily pick, walk up and grab a hold of fruit and pull it off. We as spirit-filled Christians, people should be able to walk through the arena of our lives, reach up and snatch that kind of fruit down and taste and see that the Lord, because his character will be in us, that he is good. Are you hearing me? Goodness, kindness, patience. He also talks about faithfulness. And this is trustworthiness. And some of us struggle with that. Do we struggle? I'll call you tomorrow. It's 12.02. The next day. And that person's still waiting on a call. You know what I mean? We should be people of our words. We should be trustworthy. Our, our bosses should absolutely be able to but take it to the bank if, if we are told to do something or volunteer to do something. It's just going to be done. That should be a product of the Spirit of God in us, that we are trustworthy. If we're asked to keep something in confidence, we absolutely can keep it in confidence. Are you hearing me? That's being trustworthy. That, that, that's being what God was. That's the fruit of the Spirit of God living big and full on the inside of us. And that will draw people to Christ like crazy. Gentleness. This has the idea of humility attached to it. Kind of going back to the testimony of Jesus, the glory of Jesus being in our lives, not us getting anything out of it, us being humble. And self-control is the last one on the list. You know why I think it's the last one on the list? Because it's probably the hardest for us to, to really get a grip on. Because it's not just about somebody who loses their temper, which is often what we think of immediately. Self-control. The idea of self-control has to do with mastery of desires. Now, I may not lose my temper, but dude, I cannot keep my face out of the refrigerator. And I can't not watch that one thing on TV. Amen? Huh? And I may not be able to not turn that prayer phone call into gossip. Anybody been there? That's the fruit of the Spirit of God. Mastery of desires. Wow. That's a toughie. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to convict the world of sin. To guide us into truth. 
and guiding us into truth will produce a product in our lives that is the character of God. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. So it's not just about reading a piece of scripture. It's about taking that scripture and living it out. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. The Holy Spirit will guide us into truth. It's not just about reading the Bible. It's about letting that Bible speak to us and alter our perceptions, our actions, and our life to be what Christ wants us to be. That is the essence of spirit-filled living right there. And I tell you one thing. We... That is supernatural. I could go back and name all those guys I named last week, Peter and all that, who got just were straight up messed up dudes. And they began to follow the word of God, and the Holy Spirit met them there, and they were radically altered. Their lifestyle, their course of living was forever changed, and that was more supernatural than anything else. We're going to spend two weeks, next two weeks, just doing like the, the, the supernatural kind of stuff and talking about that. Mickey's going to be here, dude. Amazing, amazing, dynamic testimony, craziness, wild. But if we get all that and don't get this, we are wasting our time. The Holy Spirit wants to convict the world. He chooses vessels full of fruit of the Spirit to do that through. Are you hearing me? Huh? And we are that. So let's talk about it. Let's wrap it up. Let me ask you, if you're full, Jesus encourages us to be fruitful. We're looking for spirit-filled lives and spirit fullness. Are you full? In Galatians 5, at the end of Galatians 5, after he's in all this discourse, Paul says these words, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Could I say at that moment, that is spirit-filled Every aspect of my life is full of the Spirit of God. We believe in this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How many of you believe in that? There's an occurrence that takes place where you are inundated. The word baptism is the, is, is the word baptizo. It means to be immersed, okay? And we believe in that experience. Can you all see this? Okay? We believe in that completely. Notice this vessel. It's transparent. It's open. You can see stuff that's in it. People can tell if you're full of the Spirit of God or not. You can wear a Christian t-shirt, and they know that. Go see Courageous, by the way. And um, you can do all sorts of things, but people can tell. You can have an experience where you are baptized. This, 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 I have just baptized this bottle. Is it full? See, there's stuff in there that's got to get out so the full stuff can get in. And the more I put this in underneath this water, those bubbles keep coming, displacing what's inside of that. That's not something that happens instantaneously. It's something that requires a process. Do you see that? Huh? I believe 100% fully in the power of God and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But if I think that singular event is something that's going to be something that's going to sustain me the rest of my days as a follower of Christ, I am lost. And i got to allow him to continue to push me into his presence day in and day out. Those bubbles can get out, but he can get in. Are you hearing me? 
And I have to walk in such a way before him that I want him more than I want breath itself. If I were to take any of you and shove your head underneath here, you would gasp for air. There's a scene in this movie, you know, one of those weird movies, you're going to think I'm crazy again. There's a movie called The Abyss that came out like in the late, the late 80s. It's kind of a sci-fi ocean movie, <laughs> but there is such a thing. And there's, this, there's these Navy SEALs that go down in there, and they develop this fluid that will enable people to breathe underwater, supposedly. And they do this thing with this rat as an experiment where they put him down on this fluid. He gets underneath there, and he, at first he's like, what is going on? And then he keeps sucking in and sucking in, and finally his lungs are completely filled with this fluid. He can breathe underneath there. We as Christians experience that exhilaration of being forced into the presence of God. And it's crazy and it's amazing. But we fail to let it have its full process until we are completely... See? Didn't happen just all at one time. Till it's completely full. Till we overflow. Are you getting what I'm saying? So my question is, are you full? I'm not asking about necessarily an experience, but I am. If you've been baptized in the Spirit, absolutely. Have you, do you walk in a place where you want to be full of the Spirit of God? Because that is where it's at. I go like this now. And that's good. And people ought to be able, and see, because I did that, you know what I got to do? And the more I dish out what goes inside of me, back and I'm slopping stuff everywhere but who cares my life should be sloppy all over people that juice from that orange squirted everywhere didn't it didn't it Chris huh yeah he still smells it do you get what I mean are you full yeah, have you had experience with Jesus? Absolutely. Have you been baptized in the Spirit of God? I hope so. If you haven't, we'll make sure that you have opportunity to experience that. But listen, if you think that's going to fix it all, you are crazy. It's going to start you on the right track. It's going to get you going in the right direction. Absolutely. But you know what? It takes every day. Going, God, I yield to your spirit. Your, your truth, your word means everything to me. I'm going to expect you to meet me. As I take a step like Peter out of the boat on the water towards where you are. Peter couldn't get out of the boat until he heard Jesus say, come on, Peter. He heard the word of God. Jesus met him there as he stepped. Some of you are wondering where the spirit is in your life and you know what's happening. You are not obeying what you already know you're supposed to be doing. And you're wondering why you're, you're, you feel like you don't have love. You feel like you don't have joy. You feel like you don't have peace. You feel like you don't have any of that stuff going on in your life. And you know why? Because you're being stuck in the mud. Jesus is outside the boat. He's speaking to you. He's like, come on with me. Let's get out there. And you just keep wanting to stay there. There's no life. Like a life that's yielded 100% to Jesus. None. Galatians, let me ask you a question. He came to give us a new creation. For we died and we buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, now we also may live new lives. If you don't know Christ today, God wants to give you new life. By the power of his spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead wants to come fill your life. He wants to come change you and turn you into something you never could have been. But if you're a follower of Christ, let's read on. You want to be a spirit-filled person, listen to this Romans 8, 14. For all who are led by the spirit are the children of God. 
You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as, your own, your own, as his own children. Now we call him Father, Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are God's children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are the heirs of God's glory. So if we share this glory, we must also suffer, share his suffering. Listen, Jesus intends for you to live a spirit-filled existence. As a child of God, you are to exude the character of God. And if you keep bucking about doing that, you can't ever expect the Holy Spirit to meet you there. Are you hearing me? As children of God, my children just naturally take on my characteristics. They try to say the same things I say. A couple weeks ago, we were watching, we were, we were up, uh, Alice is watching Biggest Loser. One of my favorite shows because lives get transformed. And I like to watch that kind of stuff when people get turned around. You know, it's crazy. Anyway, that's just me. And we were up there, and all of a sudden, Eric comes running over into my face. He gets right down in my face, and he goes, he hears me say this every now and then. He goes, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> what was he trying to do? He was trying to do what daddy would do. He got a little bit wrong. Lord, have mercy, he said. Grab me, grab me, but Lord, have mercy. And we all laughed. Like, who is Murphy? I hope God does have him. I don't know. But he's seen his dad say things like that. And he's heard his dad. And he naturally, because he's been in my presence, and he seeks to be honoring and pleading to me, those things naturally just come out of him. Are you getting what I'm saying? So we are called, if we follow the Spirit of God, we are the children of God. If we are led by His Spirit, we are the children of God. If you're not being led by His Spirit, if you're not following in obedience, you're not any more full of the Spirit of God than Pastor Eric would say, His Great Dane. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Colossians 1, 9-12. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow strengthened with all His glorious power. So you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share. He's empowered you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in his light. Sounds like Paul wrapped it all up in one prayer, doesn't it? Wow. Patience, endurance, joy, love, understanding, wisdom, the Spirit of God performing all that in our lives as we yield to him. Stand with me if you would. Today, if you don't know Christ, you can be a new creature. The Spirit of God can come and live on the inside of you. And your life will become more and more full every day as you follow him. He will give you an experience in his presence that will change your life, and make you completely full, but you've got you to grab a hold of it. If you're a Christian today and you're like, dude, I'm, just not, I'm not completely full. I'm just not. I've leaked. Maybe I haven't let myself be underwater long enough and not follow Jesus completely and fully, and I just need to get that right. I want to ask our leaders to come. The altar is open. These leaders are here not to put you on the spot. They're here to pray with you. But some of you may, may, may feel led only to come and bow and say, God, I'm committing myself to following your ways, to be led by your spirit, to give in to what you want, to experience love, joy, and peace. And if you want to just find a spot, that's fine. But we want to pray with you if you'll give us opportunity. That is the produce of the spirit of God. Love, joy, peace, huh. patience. Goodness, kindness, self-control. Father, we yield to you. 
Holy Spirit, we want to be people full of your spirit. Do you feel like you're lacking in fullness of the spirit of God? Just come. If you want to be baptized in the spirit of God and, and experience that, that Acts chapter 2 empowering, we invite you to come. If you want to come and, and just say, God, I need more of you and less of me, we want you to come right now. Don't wait. Don't stop. Don't think this is for somebody else. Just come now. Just come now. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, it's our endeavor to be close to you. Lord, it's our heart to echo those words. We want you to come into our lives. We want you to fill us till we overflow. And Jesus, we want to be able to say, we've decided to follow you. We listen to your words and we remain in your love and we take in your joy by listening to what you say and we grab a hold of your peace by God, grabbing a hold of what you've already told us. And God, we endeavor to obey so we can endure through difficult times. God, we, we promise, God, that we will come close to you, that your kindness, God, can be exuded through us, that your goodness and generosity will be seen clearly in our lives, that, Lord Jesus, faithfulness will rule the day for us. We will be trustworthy. God, we endeavor, Jesus, God, to be full of self-control, that we've mastered our desire by the power of your spirit, Jesus. Jesus, we love you and we look to you. Holy Spirit of God, today, help us to yield to you. Taking the word of God, coupling it with your power and seeing you do amazing things in us. Jesus, we love you and we trust you. Bring glory, Holy Spirit of God, bring glory to Jesus and God the Father through our lives bless you and we thank you God in Jesus name I felt this morning as we were praying I'm going to let you go I want to give you a chance I felt like there was probably a man or probably a young man you've been trying to put the pieces of life together and you haven't been able to put it all together you're trying to do some right things and stuff. but today God wanted to take his finger he wanted to penetrate your heart and place something in there that would bring all the pieces you can't put together together. You've got to be open to that. He wants to stick his finger down deep inside your heart and pinpoint a specific part, a specific thing. But you've got to open yourself to him. You've got to let him to touch you right there. He's a gentleman. He won't force himself through your chest. He'll wait for you to go like this and, push, and he'll touch it. Are you hearing me? He wants to do that. I don't know who you might be, and it doesn't matter that I know. You're trying to put it together, and you can't make sense of anything about life. God will pinpoint that thing by the power of his Holy Spirit if you open it up, open yourself up to him. I promise. Some of us will stay here and pray if you want to come. The rest of you, you're free to go. Live a spirit-filled life, not just 
by the spectacular, but by the everydayness of the Spirit of God being lived out through you. Amen.